Well, what a summer to remember, hey? I wonder in 10 years' time what, uh, how you'll reflect back on this summer. What will be the significant thing that you remember? Will it be the weather? Will it be how warm it has been? Hasn't it been amazing weather so far? No? Yes, it has been. It has been. What I love now is that we actually are able to anticipate some warm weather. You can actually plan ahead. Normally, you just summer comes three days and then it's gone, and we, we missed our chance to do anything outside. Um, but I'm starting to just take it, take it for granted. Just, I just need to check um, how you're handling the weather at the moment. Has anyone started sleeping in a different room in their house? Okay. Uh, has anyone decided that they're going to stop showering because you just get sweaty five minutes afterwards? It's just me. Okay, shouldn't have said that one. Great. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time. Maybe you'll remember this summer as the summer um, that football came home. Uh, maybe that'll be the significant thing. Exciting time to be English. But it's probably going to be, you'll remember, remember that summer we did the Mark series at church? Remember that summer? Okay, that was slightly sarcastic. No one, no one laughed. Well, we are into our, our Mark series. We're going to continue it in Mark 13, if you want to head there. Um, the last couple of, of chapters have uh, had an increasing amount of attention around the temple, the temple building. We're going to look at that a little bit um, tonight as we talk about uh, a level of discernment. The temple. So in chapter 11, Jesus Jesus. Uh, Get, goes into the temple and he, and, he, and he turns all the tables over and the money changes. It, the temple had become this place of, of money changing and institution. Uh, it wasn't a house of prayer. And so actually Jesus' authority is questioned when he does that. People are like, How, what gives you the, the right and the power to do this? To just come into our temple and th- turn it all upside down. In chapter 12 we hear some teaching from Jesus around him being the son of God and his authority to do that. That he, that he has the authority to do those things. And this whole, a lot of Mark is, 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 the narrative in Mark is shaped around this conflict between Jesus and the religious leaders of the time who had got into all sorts of mess. If you um, read on into the next chapters, it, it actually starts to be that the religious leaders start to plot a way of killing Jesus. I mean, that's an indication of how bad the religious ruling authorities were at the time. I want to just go on record and say that as a leadership team, we are currently not plotting to kill anybody. I just think it's worth saying that. Um, it, it got really messy, and, and the temple uh, had become a place that was about assumptions and complacency for the people of God. And so now in chapter 13, the center of gravity for the people of faith shifts significantly. As Jesus tries to communicate, hey, you've, you've looked to a building, you've looked to a place, you've looked to an institution and a, and a leadership. I want you to look to me, the person who is Jesus. It's been this temple where, where, where the people of God uh, enjoyed the presence of God or connected. That was the place where the community found healing and connection. Uh, and as N.T. Wright says in this, uh, in this quote that's going to come up on the screen, thanks, Jamie. Jesus, not the temple, was the real center of God's healing and restoring work. And there's something of a movement in these chapters that we're reading in the bigger context that I want us to grasp, that the temple had been a significant center of gravity. And Jesus is saying, look, it's not all that. You've made this something. 
You've put your trust in this building and this way of life, and I'm wanting you to shift it back onto the person that is Jesus. And maybe there's a challenge for us this evening in that. I wonder where in your own walk with God there's complacency or there's assumptions. You just assume God is going to turn up or assume he's going to help you with this and that, but you're not necessarily positioning yourself for blessing. So why don't we read it? It's going to be on the screen, but you, uh, you can read along if you, if you want. Uh, and I'm, I might just pause at different points just to, to, to try and pick it up. It's, a, it's quite a long passage. We are going to read it all, uh, and it's very complicated. So we are going to spend at least an hour and a half tonight just making sure that we get all the different points down. Is that okay? Yeah. Great. I heard a very big no behind that, yes. Um, <clears throat> let's read. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Mic drop moment. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled. When will we know that this is going to happen, that this is gonna begin? They're wanting a level, they're wanting to know, they're wanting to discern. Jesus said to them, watch. A key word this evening, watch. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I'm he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, such things must happen but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pains. You must be on your guard. Another imperative from this passage. You'll be handed over to the local councils, councils and flogged in the synagogues. In Matthew, it actually talks about being persecuted and put to death. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. A reminder of what we're called to even now. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. I love this. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Amongst all the challenges, there's an encouragement that the Holy Spirit will speak, will, will use them and be with them. We continue, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. This is cheerful, isn't it, for a Sunday evening? But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's another promise. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the house top go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to, to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. 
If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. Another imperative. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man, it's referring to himself, come in clouds with great power and glory. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on your guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Who's excited about that passage? Great, Andrew is. It might be that he knows the answers, so you might want to ask him afterwards. <clears throat> Great, we're going to get into this a little bit, but I do have to say, we're not going to get into it enough to do it justice. A, because it's hot, B, because I don't know it all, uh, and C, because you've got to do some of your own work. Um, you, might want, you might be fascinated by this passage and think, okay, I really want to study more about this. Well, there are indeed a whole bunch of commentaries where you can get into depth. There's a whole bunch of people cleverer even than I uh, who disagree about some of the things that this is referring to. This is end-time prophecy. Is it about the end of the temple? Well, a large section of it is about the end of the temple. In about AD 70, the Romans came and absolutely um, smashed the temple up, uh, burnt it, uh, and the Jews had to flee, literally, to Judea, to the mountains. They had to flee. This was a, a very practical warning. Some of this is about the end times, about Jesus returning. There's a whole mixture of it. But all in the middle of it, a real practical command is to be on our guard and to watch. This challenge to watch, to be on your guard. I don't know uh, whether you feel like you uh, know how to discern what God is saying or what's true. Um, a whole bunch of people are saying to me at the moment, it's coming home. Uh, now the reality is, people have been saying it's coming home for a while. They've been singing it uh, for at least 20 years, I think, maybe a little bit less. Um, it's been coming home in football um, for a while, uh, and it didn't 
keep coming. There's a level of discernment needed. So people started saying it after we beat Panama 6-1. I was not particularly convinced. Uh, but I continued to watch and we managed to get through a few more stages. And now, there's a glimmer of hope. I'm starting to think that maybe it is coming home. <clears throat> but there's a need in the same way for us to be discerning of the stuff that we see around us. Discerning of what people tell us uh, and what we trust in. And tonight I want to just challenge you about what your temples are, what those places are that you have learned to trust in. Maybe it's certain people that are really important to you and, and whose opinion matters more than God's. Um, maybe you've not got a relationship with Jesus and there's all sorts of stuff in your life that seem to be really important that you've built your life around. And maybe Jesus wants to say, perhaps you want to put your trust in him. And we're going to look today a little bit at how to watch. Jesus in this passage talks about a fig tree, talks about observing. He says you're not going to know the day and the hour, you're not going to know a specific time, but you can learn a season, you can understand a season. I wonder if you understand the season that we're in at the moment, the season that you're in. How do we watch and how do we discern? I wonder if you've ever used um, an iPhone or a, a similar device to navigate somewhere. Uh, I had to do some navigating yesterday um, to a wedding that I was speaking at, so I missed the game. Um, I was speaking at a wedding and I didn't, I didn't know the place, so I was relying on um, my iPhone. I was relying on my iPhone. What I find interesting about the iPhone is that it has a GPS, but it also requires data. It also requires some relevant maps to be loaded on. And I want to talk a little bit about discernment in that respect, because we need both the Word and the Spirit to discern what God is up to. If Jesus was speaking to us today, and I believe that he wants to, my conviction is that his challenge to us is, do we know his Word enough that if someone came saying, hey, this is someone who will save, he is a Messiah, a Messiah was the one who saves, I wonder if even within this week, there's, there's things that are offered to you that will save. This will sort your life out. This will be better. This will make your life better. Here's a Messiah. Here's this. Here's that. Are you discerning enough? Do you know the word enough? And going back to the analogy of the maps, sometimes I open up my phone and it's just this blue dot that's flashing. It knows exactly where I am, but it's not loaded up the maps information. And then there are other times when I've got the maps but it hasn't quite figured out where exactly I am. And I want to say we need both the word that, that's like the maps. It's the, the word is, is just God's voice to us. It's the person of Jesus. As we study it, as we learn it, we get to know the maps. But we also need the Holy Spirit for the live information, whether it's traffic information or exactly the pinpointing who you are. So for discernment, we need to know both. We need to know God's word and we need to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. So I'm going, to, I'm going to suggest three things that we need to do when it comes to discerning, when it comes to watching, when it comes to our response to this passage. And the, th the first thing is about distrust. I think there's a whole bunch of things, like in this passage, these disciples thought the temple was incredible and amazing. And being from, some of them from a Jewish background, the temple would have been central 
It was such a precious and important part. It was in some ways, and in, in, in the most negative way, the place where they got to determine what God did. They, they were able to manage God in this place. I wonder if there are areas in your life where you have trusted in something or someone or a way of doing things or your financial position or your friendships rather than God that they're held to be more important. And my challenge is to begin to distrust those temple things like the disciples saw. The temple was this incredible building. And Jesus said, I'm not impressed in the same way with that stuff that you're impressed with. I wonder if God was having a chat with you about the things that you're impressed with as you walk around in your week. I wonder if he might say, that's not going to last as long as you need it to. Relationship with me is more important than with that. So distrust. Analyze what it is that you're trusting and put your trust back in God. But also discern. We need a healthy engagement with the stuff that we're, we're looking at all the time. The things that are offered to us that claim to help us, to save us, we need to discern what's right. Uh, I was praying with a, um, a gentleman this week who, who got into a little bit of a conversation with someone who was talking about some magic. Uh, and this guy's quite a young Christian uh, and he wouldn't necessarily know some of the darker sides of of, of magic, it's that this, uh, and so he'd he'd kind of gone along with this guy, and he'd felt some fuzzy feelings as he was talking to him, and this he was feeling quite enchanted by this talk of this magic, and the guy invites him back to his house, uh, and it all got a little bit weird. He gave him some necklaces and stuff like that, and the guy's a Christian, a young Christian, so he was feeling a bit nervous, but he'd gone along with it, and he was feeling quite, he was struggling to discern exactly what was right and what was wrong in that situation. In the end, he decided he needed to get out of there. So he got out of there, and he came, and he, he had a chat with me. And he said, look, I, I don't know. Is this, is this healthy? Is this right? And I just wanted to jump in there and go, no. It's really not. I'd get rid of that. I'd take that necklace off. I'd do this. I'd do that. Blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to give him all the answers uh, and, and rob him of an opportunity to, to discern it. But actually, I just said, well, let, let's pray and see what God wants to say. Why don't we pray? And so I prayed a simple prayer. We asked the Holy Spirit to, to come. And as soon as he opened his eyes, he was like, I need to get this off. I need to take this off. And he, didn't even, he was just struggling to get it off. He's like, as soon as he started praying, it just began to burn. It just started burning me. And I share that as a, as a little story around a sermon to say, there might be stuff that you're involved with or conversations or habits or practices or stuff that's from your background and history that actually, when it comes to inviting the Holy Spirit into, God might want to just say, do you know what? This is actually unhealthy for you. And it might not be as out there as, as magic or some dark arts or um, involvement in witchcraft and stuff like that. It might be. It might just be habits of thought. It might be just, just the way that you're thinking about a particular issue. It might be identity stuff. You just want to say, God, can you come and bring some clarity, would you come and help me to discern whether this is right or this is wrong? The Bible talks in Daniel, that's referenced a lot in this passage, about the people who know their God will firmly resist the evil one. The enemy wants to rob us, he wants to confuse us, and as this passage again 
speaks of, he wants to deceive us. He wants us distracted from the person of Jesus. And Jesus wants us to be free, as he wanted that man this week to be free. Not to be bound up in messy situations, but to be free to the person of Jesus. And so the final, we need to distrust some of the things that we've put our trust in. We need to discern healthily with God. And we need to determine. We need to determine that God will be at the heart of your temple. So this whole story ends in a, in a couple of weeks as we, as we get to the cross, as we get to the resurrection of Jesus. As he establishes forever the ultimate temple that was himself. He was going to be the temple, that place where you connect with God. For those of us here who are Christians this evening, we have asked God to come and be in our lives, to be the most important thing. We don't need to be in this building, you'll be pleased to know, on a hot night like this. We can meet with God wherever we are. Because the temple is now our hearts. We invite God into the temple that is our hearts. But I wonder what your temple looks like. And I wonder how much God has authority in that place. I started tonight talking about the authority that God has. If you went out this evening and drove particularly fast and were pulled over by a police officer, lady, man, they'd have a certain amount, they'd have some clothing, they'd have some indication that they had authority, that they could arrest you. We're talking about authority. Has God got authority in your life? to shape the decisions that you're making? Are we all in with God? Or are we trying to add him on? Have we got all our temples and our institutions and our rhythms and we're hoping that he's gonna turn up? Or is he the priority? We need to determine that God will be at the heart of everything that we do. So, we're being encouraged tonight to watch. To watch. This is not like an active rabbit in headlights watching, by the way. I'm just kind of like, there's this chaos coming, or there's this challenge, or there's stuff that's going to get messy. There's all sorts of opinions and changes happening across our nation at the moment. The world seems like a shaky place. Where can you get your footing? Well, the Bible says to us, as it did to the disciples 2,000 years ago, we need to be on our guard. We need to discern. We need to watch. This isn't about just watching from afar, knowing we're going to heaven and it's going to be okay. This is about our health tonight, this evening, before we go into another week of challenging conversations or temptations. Being on our guard means that we are watching that we're in relationship with God and asking him, how do you see this whole thing? What's your perception, God? How do you want me to shape my life at the moment? It's a challenge to watch. I'm going to leave it there. I know it's a bit shocking. We're, all, we're finished already, are we? It's a hot one. Why don't we stand if you're able to? I'd love for us to spend some time praying.
we're going we're gonna to pray in a moment. It's going to be an opportunity for people to come forward. We've got some space here. There's nothing magic about this particular space, but we would love to pray for people. And my hunch is that there's a whole bunch of people here this evening, and, and you've just got some stuff that, that maybe is important to you. There's some ways and rhythms. There's some things that, that has, have become perhaps more important than God, and you just want to say, do you know what, God? I just want, I want to check them before you. I just want to have a moment where I put these before you. My relationship. My relationship with my family. Maybe it's my relationship with finances. Whatever it might be. I wonder what God might want to say to you about the things and the priorities in your life at the moment. It might be that you want to come forward and actually just say, look, there's this aspect of my life. It's not, a, it's not a necklace that was given to me by someone talking about magic, but it's something that I've attached to myself that feels important. It's something that I identify with and I want to know, God, is this right? And this is a really good place to get help with that, to have someone pray with you and for you and just see if God brings some clarity around your devotions. It might be on a really basic level that you're just asking, what is at the, the center of your temple? What is at the center of your temple? For the Jewish people, in AD 70 when the Romans came in put a whole bunch of secular symbols in the middle of this place that had been designated as a place for God I wonder if over time you've put a whole bunch of secular thinking of ungodly thinking in your heart that is shaping how you live if this is one of those moments where you want to say God I want you to fill my heart again I want you to be at the center of my heart I want you to be the authority in my life for all of us I think we would love to ask God to help us to be on our guard to watch to be discerning. So I'm going to pray and then as the Holy Spirit prompts you might want to come forward and we'll do some business with God so we can get free. God we love you. Many of us in this room tonight are learning to love you. We're learning that actually the things that are impressive to us aren't as impressive to you. Lord, I pray in this moment that we would be impressed again with you, that we would move from man-made structures to the one who made man. Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
So why don't you just begin to come forward if there's any of that stuff that I've, I've talked about, any aspect of your heart that you want to check before God, any way where you know you need to put your heart right, why don't you just begin to come forward? We'd love to pray for you. some people to pray. To sense that there might be some people who uh, are worried. Don't fear. Don't, don't be worried about what's going to happen at the front. God just wants to do some heart stuff with us. God just wants to shape where our center of gravity is away from a temple so to speak back onto the person of Jesus those of you who haven't yet come forward and just engaging with God in different ways I wonder if there might be some level of assumptions or complacency that God wants to address in your heart if you have assumed certain things about who God is and where he might show up if there's a complacency about your relationship that you want to be honest with him about why don't you just engage with with that just say, God, is there anywhere where I've become complacent in my relationship with you? I don't want to be complacent. I want to be courageous. God, would you come? Make us a courageous people, not a complacent people.
Lord. We'd love to pray some more. If there's anything that you want prayer for tonight, we've got, we've got time tonight. We finished a little bit earlier with the talk, which means we've got some space to minister. It might be that you get a word that you feel is, is appropriate to share for someone. Come and talk with someone up the front. We're not going to rush this moment. It might be that you want to come forward for something I haven't said. Maybe there's some physical healing that, that you need. We believe in a God who heals. We'd love to spend some time praying for you. Thank you.